Brother, I have ordered 10 ships and 2,000 men to set sail from King's Landing to join the effort in the Stepstones. Though time and circumstance have seen us estranged, know that it is not my desire to see you fail in your cause. It is instead my hope that this aid will deliver the victory that has thus far evaded us. I shall pray nightly to the gods for your safe return. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew House of the Dragons episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we walk into a battlefield alone with just our sword. At least we know how to zig and zag this time. We were able to zig and zag, and also, if anything goes down, I got dragons, they're coming. Yeah, well, that that's <laughs> definitely helpful. No, but today we're going to talk about episode three, second of his name, written by Gabe Fonseca and Ryan Condal, directed by Greg Yaitanis, and episode four, King of the Narrow Sea, written by Ira Parker and directed by Claire Kilner. Right off the top, I know it's only four episodes in, but I'm absolutely loving House of the Dragon. I really loved episode four. This is by far my favorite episode of the season so far. It's kind of what I've been waiting on to officially say, yeah, I'm in. Mm. Not that I was ever going to be out or not watch it, and not that I wasn't hooked. I absolutely was. There were really good parts of episode three, but the drama and deep character development that I was looking for, some of the stuff that we had read in the prepper episode that we knew was going to be coming at some point, it started unfolding in episode four. And I found that infinitely more interesting. It's going to make me upset when we're about to shift these actors in a big way. But I guess what can I do about that? But in order to get to episode four and make that impact... They had to get you to know everyone and take at least those three episodes. Yeah, definitely. I think there's areas that still feel a little bit like we spent long periods on one thing and other times where we jumped forward three years. Some of the balance for that didn't always feel quite right to me. Mm. There's still characters that I really have no idea about that I think I should have a stronger feeling one way or another for, such as Corley's. Uh, especially if we are going to be having an impending marriage between Rhaenyra and his son, Laenor. I mean, the fact that I didn't even really understand that Laenor had a dragon (laughs) until he and his dragon appeared, just some things like that that I think are probably inevitable when you do time jumps. I'm glad that we're not dragging it out too long. Yeah, I think we'll learn more and more about the Valerians. Oh, certainly. And I think that's purposeful. Well, these episodes are rated pretty similarly. For three, IMDb gives it an 8.9, Rotten Tomatoes an 84%. For four, an 8.7 and an 88%. Okay. So they're really closely aligned. The critics say, although there was less action in episode four, the tension has never been higher. Relationships become ever more complicated in these last two. Characters become more twisted and sinister and the pressure builds. I feel that pressure. Before we jump into what happened, we haven't been doing a lot of explaining the titles. Uh, for one and two, it was kind of straightforward. The heirs of the dragon, who are the contenders, which comes up again, and the rogue prince. But this time we have second of his name, which could absolutely refer to multiple people. But the big thing here is Prince Aegon, the two-year-old. Should he grow up to become king, he would be Aegon the second Targaryen. And if he fails, he'll have egg on his face. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, I suppose. Anyhow, (laughs) he would be known as second of his name because Aegon I was known as the Conqueror. I mean, that's putting a lot of pressure on him. 
for a two-year-old. <laughs> Your uh, great-grandfather was Michael Jordan, and we're going to name you Michael Jordan. Yeah, I don't know why they insist upon doing this, the second, the third. <laughs> uh, anyhow, episode four, King of the Narrow Sea, refers to the title used by claimants to the Stepstones in the Southern Narrow Sea. The first person to style himself with this title is Damon. We'll talk about that and the driftwood crown he wears. And in the novels, the full title is The King of the Stepstones and the Narrow Sea. This is one of those things where we're introducing people and there's 25 titles. Of course. That have to come after. But just the fact that he's styling himself as anything, along with all the other swagger Damon brings to it in that scene, is going to be very interesting. When it was announced that Matt Smith will be playing Damon... There was a lot of people that was against that. They didn't think he had it. Who they, was they thought of him as the goofy Doctor Who or the subdued cat from the crown. But I, I he's my favorite character. Uh, easily. I, I really am enjoying Millie Alcock, who's playing Rhaenyra, and that's part of the reason why I'm remiss about this mm. time jump we're about to do. They've definitely made me feel for her. I'm excited to talk about the scenes between her and Allison in these episodes. So yeah, there's a lot to discuss. Let's just jump into our dragon vision for episode three. We open up where we left off on the crab feeder. No, we're not done with him yet. <laughs> he rains destruction on bloodstone as ships burn in the background and he feeds a man to the crabs. But they're still not over this. I think they think this is a lot more gruesome and intimidating than I'm finding it. I'm really happy we're going to dispose of the crab feeder after this one. Then Damon flies in on Caraxes and starts burning everything, calling out for Drehar to come face him. But as we learned, they're not coming out of their caves. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't either if they, if they have dragons. Yeah, it's been dragging out for almost three years, in fact. And wow. that's what I mean. That is a huge time jump that if we think about all the implications later... When Damon comes home, he hasn't seen Rhaenyra for three years. Mm-hmm. Viserys has just been content to let this happen when we hear about them pushing to offer him aid. You'd think this would have come to a breaking point far sooner than that. They tell us right here that the swords have been leaving. They know they're losing. The Valerian forces have been suffering heavy damages. And Damon has driven the men so hard, they're starting to question his command. But because he's the only one who steps in and takes action on a dragon, they're going along. We'll come back to that soon. Let's go over to what's happening in King's Landing. Otto tells Viserys the news about the Stepstones, but advises not sending help, as Damon and the Sea Snakes started a war without the crown's leave. There's going to be a lot of little insinuations that come to be important later. Now, of course, we are on to Otto as the viewer, but I think it's important to clock this. And meanwhile, the court celebrates Viserys' son Aegon turning two years old. Allison is pregnant again, and they're ready to go on a royal hunt in the Kingswood. When they're about to depart, Rhaenyra is still in the Godswood. So Allison tries to go gather her, but she's not taking orders from her, only directly from the king. We start to feel the strain that's been occurring over these years of them shifting positions and this power battle that they're having. So I've heard some people frustrated about Rhaenyra's character in this episode because they say she's acting kind of immature. She won't directly talk to Alicent. Later on, when we're in episode four, she's going to the pleasure house. She's sort of disregarding the thoughts of the common people. I think a lot of this can be chalked up to her age. I don't think they're personality defects necessarily. And I think there has been this growing discrepancy between her and Allison used to feel more in the same league with each other. They were best friends. 
they felt of a similar station as soon as Alicent got married, forget about her even being the queen, but got married and started to have kids, she's now in a different status. She has become a woman. Even if she's not respected as a person, her mm. title is respected. This is something that she hasn't had. And for all of the fact that Rhaenyra is going to be the heir to the throne, she doesn't have that respect. She doesn't believe that position is going to last. Yeah. The fact that there is a new heir now is just the moment she's been waiting on for them to get rid of her. Her father doesn't want to talk to her. She's supposed to become ruler someday, but he won't listen to anything she says. She doesn't really have any jobs to do, although he keeps reminding her of these responsibilities. So you can clearly understand why she is bitter and she no longer has her friend to talk to, just the queen to come in and order her around. Yeah, I would be the same way now, never mind at her age. Something to note, don't know if it means anything, but it's clever writing and filming. Whenever we have these friend-to-friend scenes with them, the important ones where they actually discuss and talk to each other. It's under the godswood. Episode one, when Rhaenyra is laying on Allison's lap, talking, they're being good friends. Then in this episode, the scene you just discussed, is this from the king? Because mm-hmm. I come if that's in the godswood under the heart tree. And then the next episode, when they have their all-out fight, basically saying, how could you do this? Blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's in the godswood. Yeah, and I think it wasn't until that scene with the argument later that I realized they're drawing this parallel to Alicent, her piety, her faith, which we did see earlier on when Rhaenyra was mourning the loss of her mother. And they're in the sept. She's encouraging her to light a candle, say a prayer. It might help. This is a faith that's clearly guiding her through some pretty rough times. And also kind of shows this view that she has of the world that's very different from Rhaenyra's. I mean, later on, the shock, the judgment she's going to put on the fact that Rhaenyra might have lost her maidenhood. Hmm. I don't think I realized quite until that moment how important this is to Allison. It's a real big character piece. Anyhow, Rhaenyra clearly does not want to go on this hunt, but she relents and they travel together in the carriage. I noticed it here. This carriage looked sort of out of place, not like anything we'd ever seen Very in different. Game of Thrones universe. It looks like a stone or concrete dome on wheels. And what's really cool is later on, when Rhaenyra is on the ship, they have a sort of similar structure. Very similar. On the back of the boat. Same color. I don't know if this is true, but what I see from it is that it's the color of ash. And maybe that's on purpose because dragons fire... They leave behind a field of ash, maybe? Or just the sheer impenetrability of whatever that's made out of, that if you're inside of it, like the king traveling around, you would be safe. Uh, I'm sure it's hard and heavy and difficult to carry that, so a normal person would never get one. Inside of the carriage, Viserys is complaining that Rhaenyra always needs to be pushed to her duties. But she comes back that this whole thing is a farce. No one is there for her. No one cares about her. Even though the king hasn't officially named Aegon as heir, it's clear that people all expect that eventually. Then we get to this gathering. (laughs) The whole thing is kind of a joke. We see it's mainly an opportunity to feast, to drink, to get together. This is, we kind of saw a bit of that with Robert Baratheon, Mm -hmm. but he actually did enjoy the hunt as well. Yes. Whereas Viserys will not. But you start off much the same. Everyone's together under this, this tent. We meet... Larry Strong, the other son of Sir Lionel, because of whatever is wrong with his leg, his foot, 
He's not going on the hunt. He's not engaging in these things. So he sits to talk with the women about the rumors. But you also kind of have to wonder if this is a tactic. You know, he gets to hear all of the gossip, the inside information that's going on there. I think the strong family is very smart. (laughs) I don't think they're being highlighted a lot yet, but we're going to see it in this episode that they're important. So the women are talking about the war in the Stepstones. While that's going on, Jason Lannister is watching Rhaenyra, ogling her, Uh, stalking her. What a Lannister, right? That's my name. He goes to speak with her and pretty much immediately proposes marriage. (laughs) Hey, by the way, I think this would be cool. I could give you everything you ever wanted. I could even build a dragon pit. Let's do it. Furious, Rhaenyra goes off to confront Viserys, wondering if he's trying to marry her off for influence or just get her out of the way. He says he's been getting proposals for her from throughout the realm since she turned of age. Even I do not exist above tradition and duty, he yells at her. And they start arguing very inappropriately in front of everyone. But it is very true. He's constantly told by his hand and the council everything he must do. The king doesn't really have full power. Yeah, he's like, it's it's not just you. I have to go through a lot of that same stuff. But he keeps trying to, she keeps trying to tell him. It is different. It's way more of a prison for a woman in this age. I can imagine how she's feeling. She's getting courted by many people, but not because they like her. It's because of her title. Another way of her feeling like she's just going to be cast aside. She's not really going to be the heir to the throne. Instead of being trained up to take over for him, they're plotting which person are they going to marry her to for political advantage. And what's going to happen at that point? She's going to get shipped off. And then become a baby factory. Uh, right, and he never addresses the fact of her worries that she could eventually succumb to the same fate her mother did, that it killed her. Yeah, They're just constantly not able to get on the same page yeah. that you're thinking to yourself, much like Viserys and Damon, if they would just communicate better, they might not be having half the problems they do here. Hey, communication is key, you know? <laughs> it's a serious dysfunctional <laughs> it family. So many things. They need some family therapy. Because their internal problems aren't really as severe as their external problems, but it's becoming that way because they just can't resolve it. So yeah, they have this argument. Rhaenyra takes off. She gets on a horse and goes charging into the godswood, Kristen Cole chasing after her. In fact, he saves her from riding almost directly into the lake. Oops. Tries to take her back, but she convinces him to take a ride through the woods with her. As they go, she talks to him, complaining that she has no real power. But he tells her, naming him to the king's guard was the highest honor a Cole has ever known. All he has, he owes to her. That's really interesting in light of the next episode because everything he could lose is going to be because of her as well. Mm-hmm. She then asks him if he thinks the realm will ever accept her as their queen. But before they can finish this conversation, a boar runs out of the bushes, charging Rhaenyra. Kristen stabs him and she finishes it off with her knife. Now, very easily does she get overtaken by this aggressiveness, this violence, and ability to do what needs to be done. Sure. To stab it a million times. And we're going to see that there are a bunch of parallels to how she handles this hunt versus her father. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that scene was so well done visually. The action was perfect. And I just kept thinking, she killed the boar, but Baratheon got killed by one. Yeah, you might think not such a huge, fearsome beast, but they were very aggressive and dangerous. Oh, you see it in real life. It's scary They shit. could gore you, and that's exactly what happened to Robert. This one was not singing Hakuna Matata. He sure wasn't. 
Uh, speaking of the parallels, we see the king continuing on his hunt for the white heart, which is supposed to be a symbol of good omen. He's not really hunting anything. The no. men are tracking it through the woods for him. As he stops and feasts, they give him updates. When they know where it is, he goes out to try to find it. He's hoping this will prove that the gods favor him. It's becoming clearer and clearer that Viserys is a superstitious man, a man who believes in dreams, symbols, portents. Sure. Well, you know what? If you feel like you don't have the ability to gain control yourself, a really comforting fallback is to believe in fate and dreams and all of those things because that'll take care of it for you. I've been chosen for this. Uh, at a stop <laughs> along the way here, Jason Lannister approaches Viserys about his desire to marry Rhaenyra, saying he can offer her strength and comfort in losing her station, you know, hint, hint, once he names Aegon his heir. Talk about putting your foot in your mouth. Viserys is not happy about this. He denies that anybody's replacing Rhaenyra and saying that he should stop talking about it and kill any rumors he hears as well. And that's sort of the end of that conversation. It's really funny afterwards. Otto comes up and asks him, you know, what do you make of his proposal, Jason's? And Viserys says, that man's pride has pride. <laughs> uh, he's got some kahunas to just walk up to the king like that. Exactly. And I like the way Viserys responds to that. Have your bannermen questioned my choice of that? Of course not. You're great. It is your sworn duty to report rebellion stirring in my kingdom. Rebellion? There has been nothing of the sort. Your Grace, I... I, I, I did only... not decide to name Rhaenyra my heir on a whim. All the lords of the kingdom would do well to remember that. Thank you for the gift. Yeah, you know, there are plenty of times where if he doesn't get too in his head about it and convince himself he's incapable, Viserys is pretty smart. He does have some good ideas. So mm -hmm. we go back to naming Rhaenyra and actually believing in that was not an easy decision. And not at all. he's going to have a couple of question marks, but he sees that as the right thing for the realm. When push comes to shove later on, he's going to take care of Otto in the same way. His biggest flaw is his lack of confidence. You know, we're going to see him joking around with Damon in episode four saying, well, you were always mother's favorite because I was never a <laughs> warrior. Yeah. But that obviously has a real effect on him, his sense of self-esteem. Sure. He hasn't been a dragon rider since he was however many years old. He must feel like, in part, he's not a real Targaryen. I think that's why he puts so much stock in being a dreamer. Well, maybe that's the part of it I got. Uh. I got the prophecy vision part. The pride, while mixed with a sense of duty and obligation, but yes, this means we're important when he tells Rhaenyra about the secret that's been passed down from kings to kings and the prince that was promised. So I think this is very interesting. But back to this conversation he's having with Otto, he tells him that he doesn't want to command Rhaenyra in marriage. He wants her to be happy. Another kind of startling revelation yeah. for a father, especially when he's king. Uh, this is when Otto... Bless him. Has he just failed to see how far is too far right now? <laughs> he, he suggests marrying her to Aegon, her new two-year-old baby brother. <laughs> uh, not that it's so weird for Targaryens to marry siblings, but certainly your two-year-old brother yeah. is not a very good option. This way we can both be happy. My name will be part of the kingdom. And <laughs> I mean, how far did he have to delude himself? You have to wonder if a series didn't pick up on it then, how dense he really is. But here you go over to Lionel Strong, the other Strong brother, saying that he advises Rhaenyra marry Laenor, 
Valerian, Corley's son. Corley's is still bitter. This could help heal that rift a bit. Yeah, it was really smart because Viserys was like, let me guess, you want me to marry someone who will raise you up. But no, he actually had good advice. What's right for the realm. Selfless. Yeah. And he's sort of been giving those little tidbits here or there. I think this is going to be important. Oh, I wonder if he'll be the new hand. That's the only other option that I can really see at that point. They haven't been highlighting anyone else. He's the one person on the council who's been giving solid advice. So Viserys tells Alicent that he named Rhaenyra heir out of love when she was his only child. He also shares that while many of his line have been dragon riders, few have been dreamers. (laughs) So there it is. Prophecy's more powerful, right? Like, they've all been dragon riders, so what if I don't ride a dragon? He says in a vivid dream, he saw a male child born to him, wearing the conqueror's crown. But after his wife died, he never saw it again. He's just failing to see that it doesn't make any of this untrue. That was his son, and the dream did come true, but he lost his son. Yeah. You know, it's not about losing the the vision capabilities or his wife or whatever. So he thought naming Rhaenyra was a way out of his grief, but what if he was wrong? What if that was this son that he's got now, Aegon, that the dream was about? So Mm. he's really got himself all twisted up about this. Now the party thinks they know where the white heart is. They lead Viserys out into the woods, but it's not. It's just a white deer. It's huge. Yeah, definitely. Oh, no, not even. It's not even white. Regular color. Okay. Which is giant. Okay. So like. <laughs> hey, this is the best we hey, got, Hey, this would man. be cool if you killed this thing. And, uh, you know, again, bless him. Lannister is not giving up. Not He's not dissuaded from series putting him down earlier. He's like, here, I made you this awesome spear. You could use this. Oh, yeah, that's he's just, right. It's just not going to stop. They give him the spear. They basically have to give him instructions on, on where to, to stab where, the thing. Oh. It takes him forever. The deer is struggling. It's just so pitiful. Like, again, you just feel bad that he can't manage any of this. No, he seems, well, disheartened right away because he didn't get the white, the white heart. Yeah. Then trying to kill it, it's just not in him. It's not in his nature. It made me feel, I didn't feel bad for him. I really felt bad for the animal. Well, I felt bad for both because it's just like this poor guy can't get to break. He doesn't get the symbol. He can't take the creature down. Like I say, this is compared a lot to Rhaenyra, who was able to kill the boar. And then we go over to her standing on the mountaintop with Kristen, and the white heart appears to her. Is she the one favored, actually, by the gods? She's the one getting the symbol, and she also realizes it's not meant to be killed. No. The fact that I saw it is enough. Let's let it go. And she, as it seems, hasn't told anybody about it. No, and will not, although that probably would have been a good move. (laughs) No, they would have been like, you're lying. I don't think so. I think they need some reasons to believe in her because the series hasn't really been putting her forward as a ruler. Yeah. No one is taking her seriously and they see it that he is just waiting for a new heir to come of age. They talk a lot about her nickname used to be the realm's delight. The people actually liked her, Uh. but he's doing so many of the wrong moves that I don't think she's in the public view enough for her to even be nope. an option, and that's his fault. Absolutely. So if you come forward with, we had this royal hunt, and you know what? I didn't find the white heart, but guess who did? My heir, Rhaenyra. And this proves it. She's been chosen for the kingdom, and not only is she amazing, but she's kind and gentle as well. Like She knows this is a symbol from the gods. You shouldn't kill it. I learned wisdom from her. There's such a good spin you can put on that. For sure. 
if she told him. Also, hopefully she put it up on her Instagram. Yeah, well, instead, she comes back to camp with bloody clothing, doesn't say a word. Everyone's (laughs) just staring at her. It's so awkward. And they all call it a day and head back to the castle. There, Otto goes to talk to Allison. He tells her that Aegon is the future of the realm. He will end 15 years of uncertainty and doubt. He's still trying to push his agenda, but she doesn't agree, thinking Rhaenyra will be a good queen. He tells her she has to persuade Viserys to see reason, so she goes to speak with him. Viserys is very drunk. (laughs) We see at this point he's missing two fingers, so time has started to take its toll with these infections he's got. progressing. And Allison tells him if he wants Rhaenyra to marry... She will need to think it's her choice. That's the better way to go about this. He also received a letter from the Valerians pleading for the crown to send aid to their losing war, the Stepstones. This is a plea for aid. Then why not send it? Because it is a war started by two malcontents, unhappy with decisions I made. If I now provide Damon and call his succor, what will that say of their king? Perhaps that he is a good man who loves his brother. Well, if you truly believe that, my dear then you possess a generous spirit. What do you believe, Viserys? That I am forever doomed to anger one person in the pleasing of another. Then I pose a simpler question. Is it better for the realm if the crab feeder thrives or is vanquished? When we see just how much this relationship has evolved that he really listens to and trusts her because he does do both of these things that she suggested. Well, she's very smart. She's actually good for him. I feel horrible for her because, honestly, he's just using her as a a way to make babies, for real. It's mostly one-sided. I do think he likes her. I think her own father is worse. Yes. I think there's a real affection and care for her there. Yeah, he shows respect to her. He's not cruel. He listens, which is way more than he does with his daughter. Mm -hmm. That's all she wants. And she is making kind of a difficult move here. She's going against her father and what probably would be a more secure future for herself, naming her own son heir, to say, no, Rhaenyra is my friend and I actually see these qualities in her. I think she'd be a good queen. Yeah. You should keep promoting that agenda. Agreed. But, you know, in thinking about this later, I think there's probably a cunning side to this as well. Because right now, it seems like naming Aegon would be the right thing, right? But it's going to take a while for Aegon to reach ruling age. Sure. In the meantime, she's looking at Viserys going, I don't know how much time this dude's got left. He's losing some fingers. Next episode, he's going to have sores everywhere. Yeah. If he should die before Aegon comes of age and Rhaenyra actually does rule, going against her here could also prove really dangerous for Alicent later. They're friends now. That would be a good situation if she supported her. Anyhow, later Rhaenyra confronts Viserys herself, saying she thinks that he's trying to replace her. Oh, know it. Jason Lannister knows it. You said it yourself. The lords of the realm gather like vultures to a carcass, hoping to feast on my bones. It is true that as rulers we must marry for advantage, to forge alliances and bolster our strength. You have always understood this. I myself was promised to your mother when I was ten... Ten and seven years of age. The Vale had an army to rival the North. I've heard that story since I've had ears too. I do not seek to replace you, child. You've been much alone these last few years. Alone and angry. I will not live forever. I wish to see you contented. Happy even. You think a man will do it? 
A family. I had a family. What would you have me do? If it was for advantage, you would have wed Lena Valarian. That is true enough. You must marry. Strengthen your own claim. Shore up your succession. Multiply. As to your match. Make it yourself. Search him out. Find one that pleases you. As I did. It's another big deal. He listened to Allison saying you, you can choose your marriage. Huge. So now we go to the last scene where things are looking pretty grim over at Bloodstone. Stepstone battle's still going on, and Corley's figures they only have 16 seaworthy ships left, about 60 nights with strict rationing. It's coming to an end one way or another. It will be weeks before Driftmark can send any aid, and his son Lenor steps up to say he thinks they need to take action. They should use bait to draw the crab feeder out of his caves. And the only one crazy enough to do that is Damon. Well, Damon then receives a letter from his brother saying he's sending him aid. Good news. Ten ships coming to your cause. He ends it with, I shall pray nightly to the gods for your safe return. This definitely gives that meaning to don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, absolutely. I don't understand why he did that, but I understand why he's upset. He's been doing this on his own for three years. Yeah. And you're going to just give aid at the last minute and then take all the glory. Claim the victory. F that. So you could see he's really desperate here, and he decides to give Lenor's plan a try. He goes to the crab feeder, waving a white flag, drawing him out, drawing his men out. He waits until they're in full view, about to surrender his sword, and then he runs at them. He is shot with several arrows, but he's okay. He takes cover as Lenor rides in on his dragon... Sea smoke. Surprise, he's a dragon rider. I knew the family had dragons, but I don't think they ever mentioned specifically, like, what have you been doing? Why hasn't he been helping Damon? Maybe he has. It's kind of weird that we haven't seen that before now. Well, we only saw one scene with Damon out there. So maybe, you know. Yeah, I know, but they've been talking about this battle quite a bit. I was just a bit out of the blue. I was like, who's that? Whose dragon is that? Like, it was kind of confusing. They didn't highlight it, I don't think, in the right way. I feel you. He's doing a good job. He's strafing the men with dragon fire. He's kicking ass. He's quite a fighter. He sure is. And seeing the crab feeder retreating into the caves, Damon's going, oh no, you're not getting away with that. He runs after him, kills him, and emerges with the top half of his body. (laughs) Great scenes, the way they filmed it. It reminded me of the great battles of Game of Thrones. So well done. Crabfeeder, he's got great skill, right? I think so. They were showing close-ups on his face a couple of times, even though he's wearing that mask. It's also kind of like, why is he wearing that mask? And his neck is all... Probably to hide that. And grayscale is very contagious. So Extremely. The fact that Damon walks out covered in his blood, with half his body in tow, entrails hanging out. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. And we have to remember, grayscale makes you nuts, makes you crazy, unpredictable. Yeah, Damon's already crazy. He doesn't need that. But we also know that Targaryens are immune to a lot of common illnesses and disease. They told us that in Game of Thrones a bunch of times. That's right. So it's highly probable that he probably doesn't. I think that'd be a weird turn for this story to take. But interesting they would show us that if it's not going to mean anything later. Well... I'm probably really wrong here, but do you think that it's possible that what Viserys has is grayscale? Huh, that's an interesting thought because I know we saw grayscale in some of its early stages in Game of Thrones. I don't remember it ever looking like open sores. Yeah, maybe he just has tetanus or something. I think that's a lot more likely. And they just don't know what tetanus is at that time. Yeah, an antibiotic 
would help him and he'd be done with it. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that sucks. Instead of um, maggoting him, they should be pouring that boiling wine. I think they do that in Game of Thrones later to kind of disinfect something. Why do they think baths heal anything? Well, because they didn't know what to do. We talk about this all the time back then. They did like bloodletting for everything, purging for everything. Yeah, you'd think the maggots maybe would do something. Something. But somebody brought up a, a really good point that we're going to see Alicent tending to Viserys' wounds in the next episode. That she dismisses everybody there. She'll bathe him. She'll be the one. Kind of like, she's done this before. She has a gentler touch with him. Mm -hmm. And so another podcast said, maybe it's too gentle. Maybe this whole time, she hasn't really been, she's not a maester. She doesn't know how to clean it out properly. No, I think it's, it's been a losing battle way before she was even in the picture. And I don't even think personally that it's physical. I think this is a sign. Viserys was never meant to be king. He was never meant to sit that throne. He was never favored by the gods. He's not long for the world. You know, when Targaryens are born, the gods flip a coin. (laughs) Well, we've got plenty more to talk about, but that's going to wrap it up for episode three. So let's go ahead and just give this our rating. Well, I do want to sum it up with Damon is a badass. I mean, that would that felt like a hero moment, even though it was an anti-hero moment. It was selfish. It was extremely stupid and ignorant. I don't uh, but uh, he did it. <laughs> anything Damon does ever does not have that side of it. Yeah. But it also was brave. Sure. He wasn't going to put anyone else in that dangerous position but himself. He started this battle. He's going to see it through to the end. I think every time we get some bad to Damon, we also get some good. Absolutely. And I definitely enjoyed him here. What did we say in Game of Thrones? Everybody's gray. There's no superhero who doesn't do anything wrong or mindless demon bad guy. So for this episode, uh, episode one, I went eight, six. Episode two, I went eight, four. I'm going to go back up. I'm going to say 8.8. Amazing visual and action scenes. I'm truly enjoying the show. I wish you and I weren't working so much so that we could have a show every week. Hmm. It is kind of fun, though, having a little bit of time to process and looking on two episodes together so we can see some progression. Sure. I agree with you. I wasn't in love with this episode. I'm definitely going to enjoy the next one a lot more. So I'm just going to go ahead and stick with my last rating and give it an 8.3. Respectable. But I'm going to be going way up for episode four. (laughs) So let's get there. Let's talk about episode four, King of the Narrow Sea. We open up the episode at Storm's End. Rhaenyra is on her tour of contenders. (laughs) So we're in a Goldilocks situation here. First she gets the too old, then the too young. Lord Dondarrion presents his case as a potential contender for her hand, and she brusquely dismisses him. She's kind of rude. She's joking around with them. Well, she's been there for months. She's had enough. Men dictating everything. I get it. I'd be like, guys, come on. I know. Throughout this episode, a lot of listeners and other podcasters have been saying that they're starting to really not like Rhaenyra. I understand that some of the things she's doing are not appropriate. But yeah, as you're saying, I completely empathize with the situation that she's in. It was nice to see a house that we're well aware of. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's taking place at Storm's End. Maybe she's just going to different locations where there's... Yeah, it's a whole tour. She's going on tour. It's so stupid. She's got three months left. (laughs) So she's going to go from that land to another. Well, she's going to decide in a minute, no, no dice. This is going to be the end of it. Because then a young boy, a Blackwood, presents himself and he's too young. Oh, I feel bad for that kid. I do too. He's trying so hard to give his speech. And 
you know, I misinterpreted it on my first watch because somebody else in the crowd comes forward to insult him. Yeah, O'Doyle. O'Doyle rules. <laughs> Thanks a lot, O'Doyle. Nice meeting you. He's right. He's slightly older than this kid. They get into a fight, and this is when Rhaenyra says, We're out of here. I'm done with this. And you can see in the background them going at each other and one killing the other. I thought the young boy got killed. Nope. He killed the other guy. Yeah. I mean, good for him. For real good for him. That sword was bigger than him and heavier. He's been and he a beat bully. up this bully. I don't know for sure, obviously, because we don't know more than anyone else. But story-wise, if I was a writer, remember him. Because he might come up yeah. during this skip, this jump, as an adult. And the Blackwoods are a name we know from Game of Thrones. Right. Not a major house, but yeah. The Blackwoods and the Brackens are always, they have a long history of going at it with each other. Yeah, and this kid has suffered loss. He had the gusto to walk in front of the potential future queen, say what he needed to say, and then take down a bully. Mm -hmm. Good for him. Yeah, so Rhaenyra leaves. They sail home, passing Dragonstone on the way, at which point Damon flies Caraxes overhead. Um, really close. A bit like an asshole. Oh, oh, very much Damon. Why is he doing this? Well, if he knew it was, it was his uh, niece, it's like a little, like my uncles when I was a kid would like walk up behind me and bump you, bump me with their shoulder. You got to be pretty confident you're not going to bump <laughs> that ship and capsize it. But I think she's kind of into it. Yet another moment where you see she's looking at her badass uncle, not terrified, but okay, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm into it. Wasn't she rubbing her necklace at that yep. point too? Yeah. Yep. Uncle's home. Yeah, so she arrives back to King's Landing to see Viserys on the throne, ready to welcome Damon. Damon walks into a silent crowd of gatherers. Everybody's watching, how is this going to go down, right? He's wearing this driftwood crown, <laughs> which already is like, dude, what are you doing? You wear a crown. You also call yourself king. Once we smash the triarchy, they name me king of the narrow sea. But I know that there is only one true king, your grace. My crown and the stepstones are yours. Where is Lord Corley's? He sailed home to Driftmark. Who holds the stepstones? The tides, the crabs, and 2,000 dead triarchy corsairs stake to the sand to warn those who might follow. Well, you know what? This was pretty clever of Damon. I never once thought he was a quote-unquote changed man, but I was thinking, did he learn to play the game? No, he didn't. But he's still immature, <laughs> he was but playing it well there. He, he's grown up a bit. You know, you can kind of see that. He's got a new look going on. He's saying, I defer to you, my king. I've captured this in your name. And I'm ready to play nice. They hug each other. Viserys acknowledges the realm owes him a great debt. And then they go off to this feast. And it's really sweet. I wish this had lasted. That Viserys kind of turns into a young boy. around. Oh, I got my, my bro back. It was a fun regression. Yeah. He finally could... Uh, let's put ourselves in Viserys' shoes. Every day is intense. One, he feels his body dying. He mm -hmm. sees his body dying. He's got everyone telling him what he needs to do, what he hasn't done, what he's done wrong. He's got his daughter who's pissed off. He lost his wife he lost who he seemed wife. to genuinely love. And I think on some level he knows Allison is too young and doesn't really love him, but he just is looking for comfort wherever he can. Yeah. And he, she's the only one that gives him comfort. 
He's and listens to him. Narrowly gives him good advice. avoiding war at every turn in yeah. his kingdom. And never mind the normal kingdom stuff where you know that everyone, if given the chance, will do something to take him down to gain power. So brother's finally home. He actually did the right thing, Damon, for once in front of everybody. And he wants to just let loose, have some wine, and chat about the old days. And you can tell this is why Viserys has been trying to keep him around at court all of these. So he does like having him there. He likes having him there as a brother. He's not a good political ally, and that's where they keep getting into trouble. You know, he's not the kindest towards Allison in this scene, but I didn't take this so seriously as everybody else when he's making fun of the tapestries. This is just boys being boys. You know, Allison... Damon doesn't give a, a flying F about the new tapestries. The last thing in the world he wants is to look at them. I thought it was very funny. It, it was, was very cute. it was very harmless. But at the same time, Allison interrupted it. She was trying to change the dynamic. The, the dynamic, which Viserys obviously was enjoying this dynamic right now. And I think there is her prejudice against Damon, which comes from her father, that seeps through into a lot of different things when she sure. confronts Rhaenyra later. Part of it's going to be about her piety, but part of it is, yeah, they want this guy out of there. He is a threat to everything they're trying to do politically. Oh, for sure. Rhaenyra tries to make nice with Alice, and she says, oh, I'll go look at the tapestries. And she walks off, sits on a bench, inviting Allison to come over. It starts out a little awkward, but they're clearly trying to rekindle their friendship. And Allison tries to put a positive spin on the courtship line. <laughs> that Rhaenyra is going through. You can tell she is a bit personally jealous. This is a little bit romantic to her. Having the ability to travel the the realm, have a bunch of suitors come that you're able to pick from, these are options she never had before. As much as Rhaenyra has a right to be upset about some of that stuff, she's sort of like, well, it could be a lot worse, Rhaenyra. You're not really seeing what it's like for most women. We joked about it earlier. Communication is so key because Alicent sees the positives in Rhaenyra's life. Rhaenyra sees the positives in Alicent's life. If you talk it out and Rhaenyra explains what she did, that it's not just like I'm getting courted by so many men. It's my title's getting courted by so many men. They could give two shits who I am. And Alicent can be like, yes, okay, I am the queen right now. But do you understand what this entails? Do you understand you know, what I have to deal with? That's the problem. I don't think Rhaenyra does see a positive spin to Alicent's situation. She offends her you know, when she talks about marriage and having babies being a prison. But of course she doesn't know what it's like to be in her position. Alicent never opens up to her in a friend-type way to say what she goes through day to day. We see throughout the episode how she is quietly suffering. Mm. That scene later on where she's holding the new baby, I think that's supposed to be Helena, by the window and she's crying and she's bouncing her. Yeah, The look in her eyes is just this dead, vacant she's not looking at that child she's looking out of this window that looks like it has prison bars on it she's Mm -hmm. all by herself. This is a total digression but if you were Renera's therapist and you did some art therapy never mind your did art therapy we would have in her art i would assume that her childhood would be looked at with a lot of colors a lot of jubilee and her future would show a lot of darkness a lot of insecurities a lot of questions you mean allison's renera's oh both of them oh yeah well honestly i i think i think renera has even more hope for her future 
some agency, some empowerment. I think Allison looks at this very much being stuck and not seeing a lot of possibility, but... Yeah, because if you think about it, them as kids, Allison, Otto was the hand her whole life. And Renera, obviously. Renera had her mother. They had their run of the castle. They could have fun. Everything was there for you. It was perfect. And then when you grow up, reality starts to set <laughs> Yeah, reality's a bitch. Well, Allison also says she knows that the king is frustrated at the lack of results, the fact that she cut this tour short. But personally, she's glad to have her friend back. So we do get this finally tender moment with the two of them saying they've missed each other. We leave it there and Rhaenyra goes off to talk to Damon, wondering why he came back here. And it's a good question. question. <laughs> this is something everybody's been asking. Did he have plans? Did him and Corley's have some political maneuvers in mind for sending him back? Is he doing this on his own to further his own ends? I think it's a lot more likely. He's telling the truth. He did just miss home. Now, along the way, some ideas might come to him that he decides in a very Damon way to act upon, but I don't think this is a premeditated plan. No, not at all. To sully Rhaenyra's reputation, have it be that other people don't want her so that he can propose marriage and get her himself. I don't think this is something he thought out. And I think he is being genuine in his advice to her. He's like I say, the only one who's really listening to the fact that she is scared and she worries about having the same fate as her mother. He's telling her that marriage is just a political arrangement, but after that, she can kind of do what she wants. And even though she's a woman, she can still enjoy sex for its own sake. These are things probably not her uncle should be explaining to her, but someone at the age of 18. Uh, she really is kind of naive. Of course. For an 18-year-old, for a Targaryen, she doesn't understand these worldly things. And I think that Damon's trying to help her. It's sort of like, you are a spurned Targaryen much as I am. I was heir for a while, but I always knew I wasn't going to rule. You're heir in title only, but the realm doesn't really want either of us. The realm sees that Aegon is going to be the next one to rule. And what do we do? We're going to have to find a place for ourselves and enjoy life as much as we can. I think he finally feels like he's not the only one. Mm -hmm. And he wants to teach Rhaenyra how to... Dougie. No. Uh, not live in fear is how he puts it at the end. Or else she'll miss the best parts of her life. So now we go over to these sort of split scenes. We have Viserys and Alicent getting ready for a night at home in the castle. And Rhaenyra and Daemon off on their adventures. Let's talk about Viserys and Alicent first. Before that, at a meeting, Viserys was told that Corlys is still bitter and thus engaged in negotiations with the Sea Lord of Bravos for marriage of his daughter. Really funny, by the way, that Viserys is like, oh, he's not over that yet? <laughs> They're like, dude, no, he's been fighting no. a war for three years. He's, <laughs> he's not over it. Uh, but, you know, if the Valerians entered into an alliance with the Free Cities, this would mean real trouble for them. Then he goes to get ready for bed. He's in the bath being sort of roughly tended to. That's when Alicent steps in and says, you know, she'll take care of it, sends everybody else out. Then she goes to bed, and later that night, he summons her to come to his chambers to have sex. Ugh. I mean, that was the first real time I saw the miserable, how miserable Alicent was. I think she enjoys being in Viserys' presence. I think she enjoys the conversations. The companionship. The companionship, exactly. But when it comes to that part... It's not romantic. No, being summoned It's not sexual. Oh, I mean, And the then this guy's disgusting, too. 
Yeah, I mean, the relationship doesn't really have a romantic element to it. And it highlights how little choice she has because she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And when the servant comes in, she says, well, the hour's quite late. And she's sort of like, yeah, it is. What do do you want me to say? The king wants you. What do you want me to do about it? You don't have a choice. (laughs) You have to go. That's what I mean. There is a point. So we obviously get this horrible glimpse of her just kind of laying there like, is this over yet? Painful. But there's a moment where Viserys stops and he realizes she's not into it. He's like, is everything okay? I think he kind of knows, but again, what's he going to do about it? Mm -hmm. So it's just bad all around. But then we go over to Rhaenyra going to her chambers where she finds a bag of old clothes and a scroll that contains a map with a secret exit out of her room. These scenes, the juxtaposition is incredible. Mm -hmm. She goes through the dungeons and out to a door that leads off onto the city, where she finds Damon waiting to take her out for a night on the town. This is a horrible comparison because it's not real. It, it, the comparison is broken right away, but it made me think of Aladdin. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? The sheltered Ali. princess is going to get yeah. a look at what exactly, yeah. life is actually like, which we've seen this before. A lot of these rulers are out of touch with the small folk, with the people are saying this is part of why, disguised, Damon takes her to see this mummer show so that she will get an idea. And they're putting on this play about who's going to be the next heir. Is it going to be the brother, the daughter, or the little princeling? Our good king names his daughter, a girl, his heir. But then to him, a babe is born. <laughs> so which heir might that chair bear? Who will it be? The brother, the daughter, or the little princeling of three? Oh. Rhaenyra. <laughs> the realm's delight. A girl so young and so slight. Loved by all of her people. But would she make a powerful queen? Or would she be feeble? Though Egon the Babe Prince might long for a claim, he has two things Rhaenyra cannot. A conqueror's name and a cock. And they obviously say the prince, to which she initially bristles and starts doing the jeering. But Damon says, "Uh, you can't just write these people off. This is who you rule over and their perspective matters if they want you to be there or not. But they have some good times. She gleefully observes the flamethrowers, the tightrope walkers. Silk Road, baby. She's drinking. And she even steals some food from a stall, encouraging Damon to chase after her. Now, at this point, I think what Damon's doing is pure. I think... I agree. He's doing this for her, not by means of gaining anything or getting over on her. It's when he starts to get too drunk. I agree. And I think even taking her to the pleasure house... Again, if you just take out the fact that he's her uncle, which I know is hard to do, but this is the world we're living in at this time, and these are the Targaryens where this is not weird. Is he older than her? Yes. But in fact, in this universe, not that much. If you look at who's coming to court her as suitors, they are closer (laughs) in age than a lot of the other people she has any contact with. She's really got Alicent, who's her friend, Kristen Cole, who we're going to see she goes to later, and Damon. Anybody that's, that's... kind of relatable. So I think he takes her to this pleasure house so that she can 
kind of experience exactly what we were saying before. Listen, this can be a good thing. Now, what gets weird, and a lot of people have pointed this out, well, firstly, before they go in there, she runs into Sir Harwin Strong, who recognizes her. Yeah. But lets her go. I don't think he has any involvement. No. I think he keeps her secret. Uh, but when they do get into the pleasure house, and Damon's explaining, you know, this can be a good thing, he takes off her hat. And then takes off his hood. Clearly revealing their identities. And this is what's got a lot of people to say this is a plan for him. I don't think Damon is the type of person that creates... He's not a chess player, okay? I think he is a passionate reactor. He works off of what he's feeling at that moment. And that's why he gets in so much trouble. He's drunk now. He's starting to feel the the buzz of the city. And his inhibitions are leaving. And he's just being reactive at this point. Yep. And I think even if there is a part of him who has just sort of put two and two together and is like, well, you know what? If somebody sees her here and sees that she's no longer a maiden... He's not thinking that shit. I, I think, but I think that might have come to him, but only just in that moment. This wasn't oh, okay. a pre-thought out thing sure. that he's like, well, you know, if that rumor kind of got out, then this tour would quickly end. She doesn't want it to happen anyway. And, uh, you know, maybe Viserys would let me marry her. We're Targaryens after all, right? I mean, he's not thinking clearly is the point. I think he is caught up in this sexually he's attracted to her and she is too you could see her looking around with interest at what's going on there yeah it's not one-sided yes but i believe she's attracted to him not sexually i think it's in he listens to her he uh, he has a bit of a bravado he gets over on her father sometimes and he's cool and i know that sounds stupid but i mean for you know for a kid i agree he's cool i agree but i do think she is at this point in time, attracted to him. Momentarily, yes. I think those feelings, we've seen them in passing. When he buzzes their ship on his dragon, when he walks into the the courtroom with the driftwood crown, they always show her reaction, and I think there's a little bit of like... Yeah, that's what they had her holding, uh, rubbing the... Touching the necklace. Hey, uncle, do you see me uh, over here? Let's... I think there is something there. I don't think he has purely manipulated no, or is taking anything by force here. In fact, I think when she starts stepping up the taking back the power a little bit, it intimidates him. And that's part of what leads him to backing off. He thought he was running this little game to show mm. her, oh, this is how it can be. You don't really know what life is like. Let me show you. But the minute she sort of becomes a player in that, yeah, it's like, ooh, And that makes him take a step back. And now he probably starts thinking, like you said, he's a little bit drunk. Shit, is this going to ruin my relationship with my brother, with her? What am I doing here? This is my niece. There's too many things going on. He realizes he can't do it. And Mm. so he just leaves. Now, this is probably the worst part, that he just fucks off and leaves her there (laughs) alone. (laughs) Uh, Horrible. Again, not thinking. Reactive. She has no idea where she is, how to get back. This would have been such a key family moment if he didn't take her to the brothel. He did everything else and then got her back safe. Mm-hmm. I think she would have had a great growing experience. Even if he just showed her this, he went off in a different area and was like, take a look, don't do anything. I'll be back in five minutes and then we'll go home. I just want you to see what's what as an adult here. I wouldn't leave her side, to be honest. I mean, he could watch her is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. But yeah. like, let her have a glimpse at what adult life is about. But also still in disguise. Correct. 
But he does leave her. Apparently, she doesn't know how to get back the same secret passageway she came because she just walks up to the front of her chambers. She's not thinking. She's emotional. She's pissed off. Surprising Kristen Cole. I love that. He's like, wait, you're... I." did see you go in there. I don't... <laughs> What's going on? She doesn't give him any time to think about that. She pulls him into the room, kissing him. He has a moment of some second thoughts here. You can see him contemplating all of the risks this is going to mean for him, but he also kind of wants her too. I'm sorry, and this is probably childish, but if it takes that long to take off your clothes, isn't the magic gone? <laughs> no, I think it's actually building it for Oh, okay. okay. You know, they haven't had much time alone together. They had that conversation in the woods. You know, maybe there's been a couple of moments here or there, but I think it's sort of cute. You know, they're fumbling over, taking off clothes. They're laughing together. This is an actual, more like an innocent, proper first time experience. Okay. And, you know, I was thinking while watching it, gee, they really romanticize this. The way they're filming it, it looks very sensual, very beautiful. It's not like they're they're hiding parts of their bodies, right? And I think they're you're meant to feel like this isn't just the hardcore sex we were just seeing in the pleasure house. Yeah. This is a romantic first experience. We were supposed to see it from Reina's point of view. Right. The director was a woman, and one of the main important things for her, this is coming from the inside the episode, was to show all of this from a woman's point of view. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was so romantic. It wasn't um, old school Game of Thrones. (laughs) But I think it was in part. This is the closest you get to a mutual... Well, for Renera, for sure, right? Even for both of them. Now, there's a lot going on here, obviously, probably for Kristen. There probably is a part of him that feels pulled into it because she is his princess. I think he could have said no to her if he wanted to. Yeah, but I mean... I don't think he really... He's afraid for his life. He's afraid for what this is going to mean. But I also think there's a part of him that likes her and wanted that to happen. Absolutely. Uh, For sure. I mean, we saw it in the woods last episode. Mm -hmm. Like in a perfect world, if he wasn't a Kingsguard member who had sworn oaths and this could mean his life if somebody finds out he was with her and she is supposed to have her maidenhood intact or whatever. If they were just two normal people on the streets, I think they would like each other and they would get together. I think so. Now, of course, there is some residual feelings of, you know, Damon stirred up some of this stuff in her. Sure, he got got her thinking. You know, it probably spurred her on. Well, he was saying it can be pleasure. And then she thinks about it when she gets into the room, has 20 seconds to actually think. And she's like, I've always liked Kristen. But always said, I can't do that. That's my duty is not to be able to because he's not of high born. But then she's like, but that's the pleasure. That's what he was telling me about. Yeah. See, I mean, some other people were, were saying how they think it's just she couldn't have Damon. So she went back and took whatever man she thought she could have. And she's no. thinking about Damon this whole time. Not I don't at think all. that's it at not all. Not at all. No. From that point on, she's no longer wearing the necklace Damon gave her. Yeah. That tells you everything, especially at that age. Yep. I I had an ex-girlfriend. I gave her a mood ring because they were popular back then. (laughs) And we had a fight. She no longer wore it. That meant a big deal. Yeah. Everyone, I saw her the next day at school. She wasn't wearing the ring. I was like, oh, It's emblematic of your affection (laughs) for sure. Well, so let's go on to this next part, which is where all the chickens come home to roost. We have our accusations. Damon wakes up to Missaria 
basically saying you messed up. I am not just a common whore anymore, quote unquote. I am not your plaything anymore. Uh, I've come back here, and in the last three years... I have power. I've found some power. I am the new mistress of whispers. Maybe so the she, first ever in, I don't know, I in think King's so. Landing. This is very resemblant of Varys. <laughs> yeah, and by the time we get to Varys's time, it's going to actually be an official... Master of Whispers is a role on the council. It's an acknowledged thing of you're here to help us by getting the pulse speed of what's going on in the kingdom. Yep. This is unofficially, she's got her kids running the streets, reporting back, and she is secretly reporting to Otto. We find out this has been his informant when he later tells Viserys, well, I trust this person. I can't tell you who it is, but they've been bringing me information and it's always been reliable. The point is, though, it sounds like Viserys has not known this prior. Anytime Otto's been bringing him information, he thought Otto was getting it. So now when he comes to tell him this, it's sort of like, have you been spying on me and spying on my daughter? And are these things you're hearing just hearsay? How do you know any of this? It's He's dropping way too much on him at one time that makes yeah. him look sneaky, makes Otto look sneaky. He is being sneaky. If you are the hand, and obviously they have these meetings all the time, you should tell the king, I have this person, Missaria. She's going to be our whisperer. She has kids. We're going to get information. You've got to let the king know this is what you're doing. Well, and also, if the king were to know who this was... Masaria, the spurned lover of Damon, who is likely to report something negative back about him. Sure. Because she's mad at him. Otto is likely to take the information that makes Damon look bad because mm-hmm. he hates Damon. Get him get him out again. This is not a fair reporting for the series to base any kind of judgment off of. Yes. So that's the problem, even though it's true. Because he didn't know any of this, because of the way Otto's presenting it, you look like an ass, man. It's not just the fact of clearly you're having a hard time actually telling him what happened and mm-hmm. Viserys is going to make him say it. What do you mean they were together? Speak that was an act. Plainly, though. Otto. Well, he's forcing him to say how bad this thing is. If it comes out of your mouth, maybe you need to acknowledge how horrible what you're saying is. And you want me to trust that as the truth? What, how do you know someone's not just lying? And what do you mean you've been having somebody follow my daughter? So what? She went into a pleasure house. She's 18 years old. She's a fucking Targaryen. If she wants to do it, she'll do it. I like the way he's first reacting to it. Yeah. But when he does hear it, put it together, I guess there's enough of what he has a bias towards his brother while he gets mad at Otto, he can also internally believe that could be true. And that's a problem. The other side of these accusations is that Alicent summons Rhaenyra. And this is probably something the king talked to her about. You know, I'll talk to Damon, you go talk to Rhaenyra. Yeah. And Alicent is wildly, right off the bat, so like she's already passed judgment. She already thinks this is true. Coming to Rhaenyra and saying... You know, this is the, how could you do this? I know you Targaryens have strange customs, but this is beyond, you know? And it's sort of like, well, all right, so you're already coming at me that you think this is the truth. You're not even here to ask me and hear my side of it as a friend. So some people are, again, pretty judgmental on Rhaenyra that she lies to her and that she swears on her mother's grave. Well, 
I mean, listen, guys, you can tell within the first two seconds, you can't tell her the truth right now. That's going to put you in a horrible position. There's no way Allison's going to be understanding if you just say, yeah, I made out a little bit with my uncle. Oh, and then, by the way, I went back and slept with Kristen Cole. Well, Allison put her on tilt right away, so she has to be defensive. And like I said in the top, they're doing this all in the, in the godswood. And you see the tree in the background with the face. Mm-hmm. So when it's Renera's turn to talk, she walks up towards the tree, which is higher ground. Mm-hmm. So now she's standing higher than Renera, but then faces her back towards the tree mm-hmm. to not be judged. Yep. And now starts speaking her piece. Yeah. And she's making some valid points here. Oh, so you got this news secondhand from your father, who got you it got secondhand it. from maybe an unreliable source. By the way, it's treasonous for other people to go around saying these things that they don't know for sure. And now through this whole chain of telephone, you're going to automatically believe that and come at me like that without just asking me what happened. And she didn't lie. She told the half truth. Yeah. And I, that's what I mean. I don't blame her. She can't, This is not safe for her to tell the truth. She no. could be in a huge amount of trouble for something that she really shouldn't be. Like, she went out and had a, a crazy, stupid night, the only one of her, her life ever. She slept with a man she actually liked, which she might not ever have the opportunity to do that again for the rest of her life. What is so awful about this? But she Agreed. knows she's going to be persecuted by everyone. She already is in this bad position. What else is she going to say? And she has to make Allison believe her. It is vital she believe her and defend her to the king. So is it a snaky gamey kind of move to swear in her mother's grave because she knows what that means to Allison? Yeah, kind of. But I don't blame her. The way she worded it wasn't a lie. Uh, She said, he never touched me. I touched him. Well, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I mean, had she said we never slept together, that wouldn't have been a lie, me and Damon. But still, like, I understand why she did this. Also, Allison, back the fuck off. That's what I mean. She is going so hard that it's clear if she told the truth, she would be a deep shit. It's, your friend's not going to defend you on this one. She thinks it's disgusting. She, she's not just... Who are you? Passing, she's passing judgment on multiple things. She's saying, morally, this is gross because he's your uncle. And I get it that Targaryens do some shit like that, but I think it's gross. Uh, also, why would you ever put yourself in a position where your virtue should be questioned? You're a princess now. You can't act like that. Which, again, there's a lot of jealousy of like, man, I kind of wish I could have had a night out of fun like that. You know, why yeah. do you get to do that? There should be consequences type of thing. And allegiance to her father. If my father told me this, it must be true. So there's a lot of levels here. Well, her father didn't even tell her. That's the problem. Didn't even tell her that. Yep. She overheard. Yep. So that's how we're going to leave it there. Allison does believe her. She's going to go back and pass that news on to Viserys, who's going to have his own interaction with an extremely hungover Damon. So Viserys is accusing Damon. He's hungover, petulant, and at this point, I think he's more frustrated, much like we just saw with Rhaenyra and Alicent, you're coming to me with your mind already made up Mm. that I did this, which says something about our relationship. So it's sort of like, I'm not going to waste my time denying it. Just not smart. Again, it's reactive. It is. Oh, then I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just going to cut my nose despite my face. Mm -hmm. You should have just said, that's not true, brother, but thanks for already judging me. Judging I, me. I feel like it's that whole thing where if you have to ask the question, it already shows a break in our trust. So fuck you kind of thing. 
And also, while we're at it, wouldn't it have been better that it was with me than some common man? And now he just takes it a step farther and says, well, why don't you just marry, marry her to me then? Who's going to take her now? He's like, you're already married, Damon. Damon's like, I never liked her anyway. I keep telling you I don't consider <laughs> her my wife. When are you going to listen? But Viserys now one step further, thinking this is just Damon after his crown, orders him out of his sight for good. That's a pretty harsh move. He then goes to consult with Alicent, who tells him she thinks Damon lied. If it's between the two of them, it's not in Rhaenyra's nature, but kind of like, well, you know what Damon's like. He'd say anything to bring you down. And Viserys can't help but believing that. If it's between the two, Damon probably did lie. So he finally calls Rhaenyra to his chambers, what he should have done in the first place. Before anything. Maybe I should just talk to my daughter? What a concept. (laughs) And he tells her she is focused on the wrong things. He's trying again to show her you have this higher responsibility as a ruler. He says before Aegon's death, the last of the Valyrian pyromancers hid his song inside the steel. And he heats the dagger to reveal the inscription. From my blood come the prince that was promised, and his will be the song of ice and fire. The whole time, and I don't want to get into it, the whole time I was just thinking about the last two episodes of Game of Thrones and how they ruined that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, how this should have been the biggest of deals. They seem to be making up for that here. But he's telling her, your responsibility is larger than your desires. Jaehaerys would have disinherited you for this. She's sort of saying, well, you haven't even asked me for the truth yet. But you were born a woman. So you strip me of my titles and name Egon in my stead. I would, but it is mine to hold the round together, not sow it with further division. Your courtship is at an end. You will wed Selena Valarian, and you will do so without protest. The son of the sea snake. So I can be a remedy for your political headaches. You are my political headache. Your wedding to Selena Valarian. We unite the two most powerful houses in the realm. With the combined strength of our shared dragons and naval fleets, no one would dare to stand against us. The House of the Dragon will stand as one for a further generation. And what will you do about the vulture who perches upon your throne? What vulture? Your hand. Otto Hightower has served two kings loyally and faithfully. He wants Aegon to be named heir. And he will stop at nothing to see it done, including spying on me to bring about my ruin. You speak of the Conqueror's vision and the need for strength and unity across the realm, but how can that be accomplished with your most trusted advisor so self-interested? Every lord and lady that calls for an audience with me, every man on my small council and all councils past has been self-interested. It is unavoidable. I disagree. I will do my duties there. And with Selene, but you must first do yours as king. You know, good for her and good for Viserys for finally listening. Yep. I don't like the way Viserys is now, you know, I was very proud of him last episode where he was like, it's up to you. You can choose. And now all of a sudden he's like, no, that's it. Uh, You're going to be miserable the rest of your life because I'm upset right now. Mm -hmm. Reactionary. Reactionary with Damon too. I'm mad. Get out of my sight. I don't ever want to see you again. This is not normally his play. He normally sits on things, thinks things through too long. I'm feeling, if you put it visually, Viserys, the king, is a pinball. And he's getting knocked around by Otto, Alicent, Damon, Renera. That ball's flying all over the place. Here's the thing. I do think 
the smart decision was to find this way to patch things up with the Valerians. This is what he should have done in the first place. Lenor actually is close to her in age. He's a dragon rider. He seems like a decent kid. He does, actually. We shouldn't Good looking. Have, shouldn't have put on this whole farce of she's doing a tour of the kingdom. And she didn't like any of those guys anyway. This guy, actually, she might... I mean, obviously, we know she's not gonna. But if I was the king, I'd be like, she might actually like it's this It's the guy. best option out of <laughs> yeah. everything you've had. But yeah, the going back and forth, the telling her she's the heir and she shouldn't feel questioned about it. Oh, except for that one time that I thought maybe I should name my son and now where I'm thinking I should have just stripped you of everything. I mean, you're not even talking to her. No wonder she's not taking this seriously. She doesn't know what to do. She's not taking it seriously. It's it's a lot of problems that seem like when they finally get a chance to speak honestly with each other, again, it gets resolved. I mean, Viserys does go next to call in Otto, admitting that he only now realized how calculated these moves are that he's been making from the time of he was Hand of the King to Jaehaerys, and that's how he essentially got this position when Jaehaerys died very suddenly. You're supposed to be my boy, boo! Yeah, he can't trust him, and he sees that he was putting Alicent in front of him this whole time. His interests no longer align with the realm. He tells him, you are a faithful servant, but I can no longer trust your judgment. And he takes his hand pin. Oh, that must have hurt so bad. And apparently he can't fully trust anyone because the final scene ends with Rhaenyra in her chambers, and Maester Melos comes in to bring her moon tea. To rid you of the unwanted consequences, he says, from the king. Is this a test? I don't think so. If she drinks it, she did have sex? Uh, Like he said, I don't think he really even cares. The point is the perception. No, the perception that where she was saying, don't you want to hear the truth if I did or not? And he's like, no, the people think that you did. That's the problem. The problem is how they're viewing all of this. They weren't accepting of a woman being heir in the first place. Now they think there's all these other issues on top of it. It's not fair. Don't think he trusts anyone around him. And he's thinking, how is this going to help anybody if you now also turn up pregnant? It's not. So here, this is going to take care of it. Just do it. Look, absentee dad Mm -hmm. has someone, an old man come in with a tea, with tea and says, your dad said to drink this. Uh, He doesn't trust you. Um, This is Teenage daughter. What do I do to, to... I don't know how to handle my teenage daughter. That's basically what's fu- going on yeah. here. He's lost without his wife. That's what we're seeing. He doesn't I don't him. think he's a bad person, or I, don't, I bet he wasn't even a bad king until he lost his strength, which was his wife. I think he was never a strong ruler. Okay. But probably, yeah. yes, a better father with her perspective. So he's turned to Alicent, which he's now realizing, can I even trust any of that? Like, Otto was supposed to be my main man, and it turns out... Do you think their relationship from this point on is going to be strange? I don't know. Because that's your father. How do you, once you realize Otto did this on purpose... Mm. The communication they had, is Viserys never going to say anything to Alicent because she's going to go and tell Otto? It feels like he's gotten to the point he's done trusting anybody. Yeah, and, and that's I the worst place to be. I think he also feels he might be getting near the end of his time. We see repeated... Things. He's using his sword as a cane to yeah. walk. He's really not doing good and probably thinking, my worry all along was that the realm was going to fall into chaos. We need to avoid a war. If I don't have much time left here, things are not set up for a peaceful 
resolution if I go. Mm-hmm. So he's starting to get maybe a little desperate. First thing I do if I become king is I have my craftsmen sand down every sword on my chair and make it as blunt as possible. Seriously. <laughs> Just like, all right, I'll keep this stupid chair. Why are you dealing with it but anymore? But just sand down the edges for Have fuck's it be sake. a ceremonial chair for yeah. special occasions. You okay. use a regular one for day to day. And when I sit on it, I'm going to be padded as if I was going into a training with a guard dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps up the plot for episode four. Let's give it our Dragonfire rating. For three, I was an 8.5. You were an 8.8. Eight. Uh, real quick, I just had this thought. And I don't know, I bet everyone who is watching Lord of the Rings right now is having the same issue. There's so many parallels that sometimes my brain has a little skip. For example, when Viserys had the dagger in the fire and then there was things written on it, that's so Lord of the Rings. And there's so many other examples. I get confused a little bit, but I am loving Lord of the Rings. I wish we were covering it. Well, and people pointed out that Viserys was, again, maybe not acting with his usual level of care in that scene, being a little bit reckless, because he left the door wide open. He's telling her, this is this crazy secret that we're only supposed to pass down from king to king as he's showing her that. He's not exactly taking caution to make sure that nobody's overhearing that conversation. Mm. And we've seen Allison spying on some conversations she hasn't been meant to hear, so... This could be a thing that happens. Oh, wow. I don't remember the door being open. Mm -hmm. I think he's just, like I say, he's getting a little bit less than his normal, very careful self. Mm. Anyhow, your rating. Well, I'm going to go. I'm enjoying every episode. I'm enjoying this show even more. So I'm going to stay right up there. But I did enjoy the last one a little more. So I'm going to go with 8.7. Well, my highest so far has been an 8.5, and this was for sure my favorite episode so far of the season. So I'm going to Is go- she going nines? No, I'm going to go up to an 8.8. Eight. Okay. So we match there. We are really reserving our nines, huh? We've been jaded. Well, <laughs> no, I don't feel we've hit quite yet Game of Thrones level for me. Oh, wow. Okay. To the point where I would put them on the same playing field. If we do, I will move into nine territory. Recently, I say recently, it's been months now, but we watched the first couple of episodes of Game of Thrones just for kicks, and man, I forgot how good it it's was. It's amazing, and, but this is the one that gets closest, so I'm very close to a nine. So now we move on to our Clatchers. We're going to start with episode three, where we asked our Clatchers on Twitter, at CKC Podcast, who is your MVB, Most Valuable Bannerman? For episode three, we gave you Damon, Renera, King Viserys, and Sir Kristen Cole. Coming in at last place, 2.4%, King Viserys. Yeah, I mean, like we said, he's way more reactionary this episode. He's not got a good handle on things. He ultimately makes some good decisions, but it's, it's more bad. In three and four, I would say. <laughs> Coming in in third place with 9.8% is Sir Kristen Cole. I mean, he's awesome. He's obviously not making any moves, but he's there for Renera. He saved her life, basically. He's watching her around the clock. He's the man. I don't think the man sleeps. I don't think he's going to survive this whole season. I don't think so either. In second place, with 24.4%, pretty low compared to where she has been, Renera. Well, it wasn't a Renera episode. Because in first place is Damon with 63.4%. He had a hero moment. He won the battle. Kicked ass. 
Everyone was reminded of Jon Snow. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say I definitely agree with the poll there, and my MVB would go to Damon. Mine too, but with the acknowledgement that Damon was doing this for selfish reasons. I think only partially. Really, I, I do believe he cares about the realm. He cares about his brother. He also cares about himself. Well, why don't you marry him? I mean, Matt Smith, in this world, if I had to make a choice, <laughs> I might go for it. Sherry Ava, shout out. Foreshadowing at the ending of episode three, the killing of the stag illustrates how inept King Viserys has become. Yep. This is contrasted against the vision and wisdom of Princess Rhaenyra, who is recognized as the true leader and visited by the white stag. Mm -hmm. A lot of people had problems with it. They're like, enough with these shows having stags. And I'm, I'm, I'm good with well, it. It's a figure in mythology. We're going to talk about that a little more in our closer look. So stay tuned. This one was a deep one. And I commented on it, but I didn't give enough. I didn't have time to really give our clatcher the correct answer. Brian asked, Episode one and two built up to the crab feeder as the big bad of the season. Why kill him off on episode three? Yeah, I don't think he is or was meant to be the big bad. I, I kept saying, I don't know why they're giving this so much attention. I think it's meant to be a side thing that's going to illustrate, yes, there are bigger problems. The free cities, alliances, places where we are not shored up, the potential of Quarleys and the Valerians. But I don't think the crab feeder himself was ever meant to be like this season-long threat. It was no. just a place for Damon to prove himself. But what they had to do was make the crab feeder scary enough, bad enough, big enough, where what Damon does means a lot Something to us. Something to his character, correct. Yeah, but also you brought up the time jumps, and we do have to be aware of that. Until they settle into the ultimate sort of time frame we're going to look at, Yeah. This is all just about character development and what's setting the stage for later. I don't think any of these plot things are going to hold up season long. That was kind of like my frustration the first three episodes where I was saying, I wish we had this central big bad like the White Walkers or the Long Night mm -hmm. um, to tie everything all together. I don't think we have that yet. And let's be honest, if this crab feeder who doesn't talk, who has a mask on, who... Never Visually is, it. I guess, intimidating, mm. but it would be a pretty shitty, it would be one of those bad guys that we always talk about, which is just a bad guy who's a bad guy. Sherry Ava also brings up a good point about this. She says, I'm still loyal to Rhaenyra, but Damon's victory quickly provides the strongest reason for dissent. The people of Westeros are scheming for Aegon, Aegon but Damon's followers are loud and forceful. And yeah, I don't think we've seen enough of that. If the people are not super supportive of Viserys. They don't love the idea of Rhaenyra as heir. Aegon's still a baby. Daemon is the one who's out there getting shit done. Mm -hmm. Viserys is going to have to watch out that the people don't start to transition over to his side. And we see they crowned him king of the Narrow Sea. Did they or did Daemon just crown himself? No, I think that they <laughs> okay. did. It did seem like he was the face of that war, the one willing to do what needed to be done. Yeah, and they did open that episode up with the king putting his crown on to exemplify the importance of a crown. Yep. And then you have Damon walking in with a crown. Yep. And how ugly is the crab feeder? God. <laughs> Josh M. says, The critic who said to stick with it till episode three was right. Definitely the most badass episode of GOT in a long time. Damon's becoming a favorite of mine, jackass or not. 
P.S. I wish shows would stop doing deer, moose, or anything similar in CGI because it always looks bad. Yeah, I like the concept, but he's right. Visually, the white stag looked pretty bad. It was the one spot of CGI so far where I was like, ah, it doesn't look great. Now we move on to episode four. We gave you, it's, it's very similar. We gave you Damon, Rhaenyra, King Viserys, and Alicent. You spelt Rhaenyra wrong, sweetie. I was really tired. The of people the are going to get upset. <laughs> there should be an A in there. Uh, yeah, well, uh, kind of a turnaround here because coming in last place with 0% is Damon. Nobody likes the uncle going after the niece thing. No, it's just icky. <laughs> Third place with 14.7% is Alicent. Look, I think she's making a bigger impact than it shows in our polls or with yeah. what Christina and myself are going to vote for. But I understand that. No, I don't like her in this episode, but I actually think she's one of the stronger players of the game here. Talk about a whisperer. Yeah. Coming in second with 38.2% is Viserys, and I'm surprised he even pulled that out of the bag. Like I said, there are some good moves here, firing Otto, making some decisions finally. He needs to go on a retreat with Renera. Just them two. They, I said they need family therapy. <laughs> but in first place... With 47.1% is Rhaenyra. That's three out of four episodes she's won the poll. I'm not for sure, but I feel like once we get the grown-up Rhaenyra, we're not going to like her as much, unfortunately. Uh, people keep saying that. I, again, I really empathize with everything that she's going through. I do too. I just don't like the way the actress looks. <laughs> I love this actress. The older one? Oh, no, the younger uh, one. No, I love the younger one. I'm okay. talking about the older one. Well, I agree, but... Some people have told me, including my sister, that they're not partial to this actress. She says she doesn't do a lot with emotion on her face, but I think that is a purposeful choice. Yes. Well, Jason, who are you giving it to? Uh, well, I got to be honest with you. In this episode, everyone lost. Sure. So this is a difficult one. Except right now, potentially Allison. So her father was fired. It all depends on does Viserys' view towards her change based off Otto. I think he will. Uh, at this point... I think it's, he's jaded at this point. It's not. And I really don't like her. But I think I have to give it to Allison for this one. I'm going to go the same way. I think she's moving chips around behind the scenes more effectively. Her father, quite clearly, is not doing it effectively. Uh, Damon's not doing anything effectively. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go Allison as well, excluding the one scene where she yelled at Renera. Well, that's what I mean. She's not likable there. I'm really on Renera's side for that one. But what ultimately ends up happening, she goes to Viserys and says, I think you can trust her and not Damon. Who's really winning right now, but wouldn't be most valuable bannerman is Masseria. Yeah. yeah, because she's gained a lot of political power. I agree with you. Uh, honorary mention to her. Will she still be working for Otto or will someone else start talking I to her? I think someone else will pick her up. I don't know if Otto's still in the mix. I'm not entirely sure with the way the series is that he's 100% done with Damon or Otto. So true. To be honest with you. Yeah. I think he's going to die soon. Well, that as well. Katie says, and oh, ho, ho, the brilliant foreshadowing for Rhaenyra as she moves past the fortune teller and puppet dragon breathes fire. Nice editing. King Viserys being the best version of himself finally. About time he grew some balls and did some kingly things rather than just being manipulated. Yeah. And that's what Brian said. He's being a good version of a king who puts his foot down, but 
He doesn't know everything that's going on. That's the problem. He's being reactive, like we've been saying. Yeah. I guess that's... We should title our podcast Being Reactive. Yep. Truth says the T. <laughs> Sherry Ava coming in with an awesome gif again. Or I GIF. love these. It's gif. The episode four King Viserys is MVB. He finally takes a stand for what he feels is right. The shine is off the apple of Trickster Damon's attempt to seduce Prince Renera. Totally gringy. Both she and Allison are pawns in the game. Uh, see, I don't think so. I don't think this is as one-sided as it might seem, and I don't think it's as planned on Damon's part. I think, like you're saying, he's being like a teenager that doesn't mm-hmm. completely think through his actions. And also, I don't know, as much as I like that Viserys took a stand, that sending both Damon and Otto away at this point in time is necessarily going to be good. Who does he have left? Nobody. You know? Sherry also says, a question's gnawing at me since the end scene of episode four. Who really sent the maester to Princess Rhaenyra with the tea? I doubt it was King Viserys, and I worry there's an ulterior motive. Yeah, I don't... I do think it's him. I think it's him checking off boxes. Yeah. No matter what I believe, no matter what I think, we still have to make sure that this thing doesn't come to pass. If I was Rhaenyra, I would drink it, because she did have sex, mm-hmm. and then throw the glass against the wall so that whoever comes to pick it up... Can't tell if she drank it or not. Yep. Yep. Could be like, uh, I think she just threw it out of anger. Yep. I agree with you. Derek Corte said, Viserys on a roller coaster shows many facets this episode. Roller coaster. There's another thing. Mm. Grace, gratitude, loyalty, fire, understanding of his family tendencies, honesty, vulnerability to his spouse, wisdom, decisive decision-making... Vengeance, mercy, and foresight. Foresight? No, I think also there is still his manipulation. He only just now realized Otto's been after this and throwing Allison in front of him for three years. Like, uh, you, you, yes, you're finally stepping up to the plate, but you're so far behind the eight ball <laughs> that you have a lot of steps to take just to get level with everybody else who's been Absolutely. scheming behind your back. And Allison included, I don't think, as much as we've been saying, and I do think she doesn't have a ton of agency or empowerment, she has no choice but to play this position she's been given in this game. However, given that, I do think she's playing it. Uh, Where people are saying she's purely a pawn, I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I think she's also started to take steps recently towards Maybe I'm not 100% going to do what my dad's telling me either. Sometimes I'm going go to go to Viserys and give him the advice I think is right. And guess what? He has listened many times now to send aid to Damon in the Stepstones, to believe Rhaenyra, to send Damon away. Like pretty much every major decision has come from her. She's the queen behind the king. Oh, let's make a t-shirt. And the Viking says Rhaenyra is beginning to grasp politics. She is once again my MVP. And Andrew Redding agrees, saying, tough this week, but I feel like Rhaenyra finally started playing the Game of Thrones. So for that, I have to give it to her. Yep. It's still Game of Thrones. It's I mean, still that's a game being played. true, too. I, if I had to go with somebody else, it would be Rhaenyra. But she is also being manipulated by the king, by Alicent, by Otto. She's learning now. I can't just do what I want. I have to play it. I think that's what her lying to Alicent was about. Mm. She has no choice but to step up to that, but she's only just begun. Thank you so much, Clatchers, for voting and for writing in. We really appreciate it. We know that this isn't our typical CKC where we have weekly podcasts. We got to be honest with you guys. We are working in the real world uh, a lot. 
Christi- don't know how we're even finding time for this much podcasting. Christina, come home. I'm, I'm gaining weight. Christina comes home at 8.30, 9 o'clock. Last night, I came home at 9. It is Friday night. We're well aware that the next episode is coming out in two days, and I have to edit this tomorrow. So you're going to get a podcast Saturday where everyone's hanging out. It'll get you ready for the next episode, right? Yeah. And hopefully, even after you watch the next episode, you can still get some value out of this. We're trying our best. Thank you so much for writing in. Remember, you can always call in as well. We want to hear your voices. You can call in and leave a message at 252-368-6606. And one thing we're not late on because Patreon is our number one priority. We're still releasing those. We're still having so much fun. Our last bonus was, I think, one of our best this year. Join us over there. $3 a month. You can get our coffee breaks where we let you know where your TV guy. We let you know what to watch, what not to watch. We have bonuses, we have movie reviews, and we're always there. It's a fun time. You get free CKC gear. It's just the place to hang out. It's the digital water cooler. Join us at patreon.com slash CKC podcast. Well, Jason, I think it's about that time. Time for the summary showdown. (laughs) Once again, it's my turn to give the first and last sentences of every episode and then you get to pick the best Mm -hmm. so episode three we start off with hus valerian is coming for you Ooh, and we end it with i shall pray nightly to the gods for your safe return Ooh, that's a good one i have a feeling that this is going to be better than westworld the first and last i said i knew it was gonna (laughs) be the next one's not as great for you though the wall blackhaven are unscalable vassal stones and the castle is surrounded by deep dry moat And we end it with a tea from the King Princess. It will rid you of any unwanted consequences. Yeah, that one sucked. Well, for episode three, I had a couple of good choices. For fun, that man's pride has pride. Talking about the Lannister. Yep. Um, Even I do not exist above tradition and duty. That should be the winner. Uh, It was close, but I'm actually going with, will the realm ever accept me as their queen? Mm, that's because good. I feel like it foreshadows everything else good. that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's good. You're right. And for four, this was a tough choice. We had, you were a faithful servant. The realm owes you a debt, but I can no longer trust your judgment. Uh, from Damon, our love does not know titles or traditions. From Rhaenyra, you are the king. And so your first duty is to the realm. That almost won. Oh, yeah. Except we had the official call out here. From my blood come the prince that was promised, and his will be the song of ice and fire. Yeah, that's good. I win. can never pick anything above a line like that. I love the, the juxtaposition between you and me. In Westworld, I was doing those. I was very, here's everything, and I haven't decided yet. And you were like, here's this one, this one, this one, and the one I'm going for. <laughs> so good for you. I would be, in real life, I would be Viserys, and you would be Renera. <laughs> Dragonfire. Let's end this off with our closer look. For episode three, I said we were going to come back to the White Hearts. I was a little confused because I knew I'd heard about this creature, but I kept thinking, I don't know that that's what they called it. They call it the White Stag Mm -hmm. in a lot of other stories. But it both means the same thing. It's seen as a good omen, a white deer that holds a place in the tradition of many cultures. They're considered to be messengers from the other world. A lot of talk about this is from Arthurian legend, which states that the creature has a perennial ability to evade capture. And so the pursuit of the 
animal represents mankind's spiritual quest, who is always something to be desired yet always out of reach, leading the hunt ever onward to a destiny ordained by the gods. For those humans who did encounter it, it sometimes stimulated a great spiritual change or the trigger of a great event. So this could be something that marks a potential internal change for somebody. They're going to undergo this spiritual transformation or a major external change, such as the foundation of kingdoms. For episode four, there was a brief call out that you might have missed. Viserys mentions Aenar Targaryen. The reason he is important is he is the one who listened to his 12-year-old daughter, Daenys, when she had a dragon dream about the Doom of Valyria. So if you've forgotten, the Doom of Valyria, often just called the Doom, was the cataclysmic event that destroyed this great city, the one that Viserys is building his little monument to. This is a time when the Targaryens were at their peak. Valyria was home to both them and the Valerian families, and they are the only two who survived the Doom. Twelve years before the catastrophe, Daenys had a prophetic dream about the destruction, and her father, Aenar, agreed to move House Targaryen across the Narrow Sea. After that, she was known as Daenys the Dreamer and cemented a belief in Targaryens that their dreams could be real or even prophecy the future. Mm. So it's interesting because we have Viserys putting so much stock in this wow. idea yeah. of dreaming and it being prophecy. Plus, he is not listening to his daughter. This is a historical case where listening actually saved their entire bloodline. Wow, there you go. Plus, the Valyrian steel dagger that has this inscription of the Song and Fire once belonged to Aenar Targaryen. So some cool backstory like yeah. built in there. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this time. We will be back for episodes five and six. Clatchers, thank you so much for listening to the CKC Podcast. Thank you so much for understanding and still being a part of our bannerman. Till next time, this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash ckcpodcast. This round is on me.